You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kipolevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Shalom Abrocha, this is Shuvah Zupoyskim. As we approach Parsons Mishpatim, which is a parasha, which of course is full of so many mitzvahs that govern uh, the life of Kal Yisrael in a civil society, um, we might forget that this is also the parasha that introduces living and understanding Shemitah as something that is significant whenever, whatever year you're holding in the cycle as you build to, towards that. And it's in that spirit that I want to introduce my very close friend, Rabbi, uh, in place of him saying it, uh, because sometimes it's easier when it's a, a good friend saying it, that this is Lili Nishmas, his wonderful parents that I had supposed to know. Um, Mark was a wonderful, loving, and caring son. And I know that they, in Gan Eden, Avram Osher ben Yitzchak HaKoyim, and Yehuda Zeldabas, Avram Shloim HaKoyim, I know that the type of Torah from from Rav Shagar, from Mark himself, I know that that would be an ili for the Anishomis of the son that they raised so wonderfully. Mark, it's yours. Thank you so much, Avramel. It, it means a lot to me to to know to recall that that you did in fact know my parents and um, I'm an only child as as you of course know but our, our audience so I I can't share memories of my parents with many many people um, my closest friends I can and you are certainly among my closest friends and the fact that you have memories of of my parents, it means not only did I not live this solipsistically or somehow imagine their their reality, but that you can share in the fondness and in, in the in the foibles and in, in the little moments of recognition and reality uh, that a, only a human being produces and, and and expresses. And it means a lot to me to be able to share this year uh, with all of you, uh, so the reader of Parshas Mishpatim experiences a kind of rupture, a, a radical discontinuity when he gets to those opening psukim of Ve'ela HaMishpatim. And this is not only with what came previously in terms of Matan Torah and the, the excitement, the radicalness of the theophany of God appearing to human beings and, and conveying his wisdom and his will to Basar Vadam, but really the entire Chumash that precedes Mishpatim is of a very different cast, a very different genre. Uh, this discontinuity, both the, the larger one of all of Chumash that precedes Mishpatim, including all of Sefer Bracious and certainly the first portions of, of Sefer Shmos, uh, as well as the, the more limited and localized discontinuity between the Parsha of Matan Torah from last week's Parsha, from Parsha's Yisro and Parsha's Mishpatim, is already intuited by the uh, the Avha Mefarshim, by, by Rashi, very famous, this is one of those famous first Rashis, right, Ve'ela HaMishpatim Asher Tosim Lifneim, Rashi says what? Kol makim shenemar ele posel esarishonim, anytime uh, uh, a new section is introduced with the word Ela, these or those or, or these new 
teachings, these new utterances, it invalidates or, or it cancels what preceded it. It's a self-conscious canceling of what precedes it. I, what do we find in, in Pashas Mishpatim? It says, ve'ele. We have the vav ha-mosif, the vav ha-chibor. So what is ve'ele? Mosif ala rishonim. This ve'ele, it doesn't cancel out or nullify what precedes it. It adds to what was preceding. So it expands. It's an expansion rather than a contraction or nullification. And what is that expansion? Just like the first ones, the first, the commandments that were given in Parshish Yisro under the rubric of Matan Torah, under the rubric of the Aseris Adibros, just like those were given at Sinai, so too these laws that are found in the entire Parsha of Mishpatim, which the Ramban and the, and the Ibn Ezra call mostly the Sefer Abris, this is also Misinai. And I think there are th- at least three ways to interpret this, this Rashi. And, and they each, I think, they, they point to the, to the kind of sweeping, deeply worldview-oriented approach of Rav Shagar, of Shimon Gershon Rosenberg. We're going to learn a little bit of his Torah on Shemitah today. But the first way, the first level of understanding that Rashi it's simply we're talking about, you know, law and narrative that, that as I intimated a few moments ago in setting up the very question, we're now getting into the heart of the legal portion of Torah. These are the mitzvahs. These are the, the dikduke mitzvahs that, that are the, the, cent- the central feature of Jewish life expressed in, in our day-to-day living. That's the precinct of law. Everything we have seen until now, for the most part, there are some exceptions and say vibracious, there are a handful of exceptions, say for Shmos until this point, a few dozen exceptions, perhaps along Carbon Pesach, Rosh Chodesh. But now we're getting to the heart and soul of the law, the legal dimensions of the Torah, which are so distinctively Jewish. The other level, the the level that I think Rashi was probably most clearly and directly addressing is the question of the nature of what kind of law are we talking about within the within the 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 larger rubric or within the larger catalog or category of laws there are different kinds of laws we've experienced some laws up until now in, in Yisro in in Bashalach, in Bo we, we we've we've had some laws but those are religious, those are, you know, a, a very proper English uh, lexicographic approach would say they're ritualistic. I think that's probably a, a bad way to frame it. But nevertheless, they feel different in, in some qualitative way than the laws that even Rabbi Kivalevitz mentioned. These are the civil laws. These are laws that govern civil society. These are laws that don't seem to have obvious ritual or even obvious ethical dimensions. And we're, of course, that's a mistake. That's a fatal mistake. And that's a mistake that we're going to try to address today. But the, 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 the gap, the rift between ritual and religious law or moral law and civil law is overcome by the ve'ela ha'mishpatim. It's overcome by this vavachibor, which binds 
the civil laws of Mishpatim with the religious and moral laws of Yisra of Matan Torah. And then finally, the, the last layer, and this is the layer that's going to introduce us to Rav Shagar and the case study of Shemitah that we'll encounter in today's Limud, is halacha versus a worldview, or halacha as really the expression of a worldview. In other words, it's a mistake, what Rashi is telling us here, it's a mistake to bifurcate the civil and the religious, or the civil and the moral. It's, uh, it's simply an error, conceptually, epistemologically, to make those hard and fast divisions between what we would call civil, or civil society, or monetary, or the, 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 the legal statutes that are on the books that, that don't seem to have deep moral or theological significance, that's a mistake. That's a flawed assumption, which, of course, was wonderfully debunked by in the 20th century by one of the, the great thinkers who, who bridged the worlds of halacha and hashkafa. Of course, I'm referring to Rav Yosef Dov Halevi Salavechik, the Rav, Salavechik Zatzal. Rav Salavechik, in many, many places, speaks about the unity of halacha and worldview, the unity of the law and the idea, the, the, the legal, what might even be inclusive of the civil, what seems to be civil law, and a deeper ethical, but ultimately a deeper theological, ideational, axiological world or worldview that animates the halacha. And I think that's what that opening Rashi is, is coming to, to warn us against, making these bifurcations, making these dual, dualistic dialectics that, that aren't ultimately unified. And I think one of the great thinkers that is not as well known, unfortunately, as Rav Soloveitchik, that also struggled to create a language uh, uh, to articulate a worldview, a Jewish worldview from the sources of halacha. That's how Rabbi Soloveitchik ends his very famous work the halachic mind, that out of the sources of halacha await a new worldview, a new Jewish worldview. Among the, the, the soldiers in this, in this campaign to make halacha not just a source of, of law in an actionable sense, but law in a, in a metaphysical and epistemological and intellectual sense, conceptual sense, was Rav Shimon Gershon Rosenberg, better known to the world as Rav Shagar. By the way, it's very it's a cute little biographical story. You know, he was born in Yushalayim in 1949, Rav Shagar. He dies very tragically, very much too young from pancreatic cancer in 2007. But in his in his years growing up in in the Dati Lu'umi world, his parents were Hungarian Romanian Holocaust survivors. So the the Holocaust something that did weigh on his mind, and there is a kind of of dark shadow that hangs over much of his machshava, much of his, his philosophy, his chasidus, the, the, the engaging with the absurd, with the irrational, is something that Rav Shagar did with, with great um, sophistication and, and great skill. Uh, his, his interpretations of chasidus, especially Breslov chasidus, Chabad chasidus. But when he was a young boy, he went to some mainstream uh, modern Orthodox, you know, forgive the, the description, but really Datilu Mi institutions like Nativ Meir, the very famous uh, 
boy's high school in, in Yerushalayim, Netiv Meir. And when he was a young boy, he had a tefillin bag that had his initials, Shin Gimel Reish, Shimon Gershon Rosenberg. And one of his rebbeim said, oh, Shagar, oh, that's, that's a very catchy moniker. And, and in fact, that, that stuck. And he, he was known as, as Rav Shagar. He went on to be a Rosh Yeshiva, first in Yeshiva Da Kotel in, in the early 80s, uh, he, after learning in Karen Biavne and, and Hakotel, and he went on to be a Rosh Yeshiva in, in a number of very experimental yeshivas like Beit Marasha, um, finally founding his own yeshiva, Siach Yitzchak, uh, in, in the 2000s, in the early 2000s, late 1990s. He was a polymath. He, he read voraciously. He only read in Hebrew. So the truth is that he didn't read he, whatever he read of philosophy and from philosophy to continental thought, post-structuralism. He, he brings a lot from Derrida and, and Foucault and other post-structuralist and post-modern thinkers, all in the service of a orthodox uh, or a believing worldview. Um, but I actually think and, and here I might be a minority, that his greatest lasting legacy to the to the world of, of B'nai Torah, of, 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 of Maminim, is not necessarily his philosophical teachings, although those are very impressive in their own way, um, marked by a kind of postmodern influence, uh, uh, not your, your typical um, conventional modern orthodox, ration, more rationalistic uh, philosophical uh, orientation or his Hasidus, but I think his Derech Halimud, in terms of learning Shas and Poskim, learning Gemara, Rishonim, Achronim, uh, he he speaks of this as his real, in, in some of his Shiurim and some of his articles, that his fecund mind ultimately came back time and time again to the teaching of Gemara. And in fact, he says, this is what I spent Rubo Kakula of my time teaching was in Yeshiva, teaching in you know, Chorevzman and Kayetzman and Elozman teaching sugyas in Gemara, teaching Masechus in Gemara. Um, and in fact, twice Rav Shagar taught on the sugya of Shemitah, um, both years, but right before preceding a Shemitah year, Shiva Beit Marasha, which is a one of these experimental, like an academic-based medrash, um, that was kind of sui generis for its time. And then finally, the last machzor that he taught was in Elul of Tavshin Samach Aleph uh, in Siach Yitzchak, in the yeshiva that he co-founded with his chaver of Yor Dreyfus. So let's, let's try to explore together briefly what, what exactly was this Derech Halimud that, that I've mentioned that I think is, is really unique. And, and he describes it as a as a lamdani chakrani, or lamdani chakrani madai approach, which in, in Hebrew suggests a kind of blend, a hybrid of traditional lamdas, of brisker lamdas. He's written, he, he wrote articles on Rav Shimon Shkup, on Rav Chaim. Uh, he had a, a, he, he's written pieces on Rav Soloveitchik. He had a great tfisa for what traditional Lithuanian learning was in the traditional mode of, of brisker lamdas. But he also became very interested in academic Talmud study and, and a, an attention to the history, to the geography, to the culture, to the sociology. 
what was happening when the when the Tanaim and the Amoraim, when the Zugos and the Mishnah, Tosefta, Raisa, Gemara, Bavli, Yushalmi, what was the historical and the and the the temporal and the cultural dynamics and, and inputs into, into the words of Chazal. And he kind of blends these two approaches. And we're going to take a case study for the next 20 minutes or so. It'll be very partial, but it'll give you a little bit of a taste and a feel for what this method entails. And if you're interested and you're curious, we can certainly find other, other opportunities to, to continue with his approach. But his approach would always begin with this, the, the Parshios in the Torah, the Parshios in Chumash. So in, in looking at, at Shemitah, there are really four major sugyas in terms of Chumash, and there are four general categories of Shemitah, which we're going to see the, the blending of these different categories, what we can learn about the relationship between the different categories of Shemitah and the overall rubric in which Rav Shagar denotes these different four, these four different areas, these four different parshios, he calls the Chukei HaSheva, the laws of seven, because they all essentially have to do with cycles of seven, seven, seven years, seven sets of years, and here he brings he breaks it down to four basic categories, which he which he which he classifies under a thematic rubric. So let's first de, de, denote these four categories: Shmitas Karkos, which is what we get in Parshat Mishpatim, Shmitas Ksafim, which we find later on already. A. That's the only that's the first reference to Shmitas Ksafim the only real re- reference to Shemitah's Kesafim, as opposed to Shemitah's Karkos. Yovel, which is already mentioned in Parshas Bahar, which Rav Ramel is showing us. There's already Yovel in Parshas Bahar. And finally, Hakel, which is an addendum or a, an auxiliary to, to Yovel. And to and to and to the Sheva Shanim, which is found at the end of Parshas Devarim in in Parshas Vayelech, and the the categories just in his in his Shiurim, he would put all these four Chukei Hasheva under the category of Chesed Kedusha V'Shi'iyas Hazman. The way that he understood these four Parshas and these four categories of Shmita was with. The designation of chesed, loving kindness, kedusha, holiness, and the duration of time. So he basically is giving us a window by just calling it these things, calling it, giving these designations of chesed, kedusha, that there's a tension between, that that there is a dialectic. There's a tension within these four broad categories. There's a tension of the place of loving kindness, which has a human-oriented dimension. A, a, a dimension towards the other human being, and kedusha, which has a not a horizontal um, vertical, but a, a, a vert, a, not a horizontal vector, but a vertical vector, a vector between man and God, and between man and the land. So he sees these two axes 
the human axis and the divine and holy axis as multiple ways into the, the problem or the question of Shemitah. And we're going to see today, very briefly, we're going to look at Parshas Mishpatim as, as an expression, as a case study of the chesed dimension of Shemitah. But the whole idea is that this first layer of learning is looking carefully at the parshas in the Torah, looking at the, the sources in the Chumash itself, looking at how the Chumash, how the different motifs, the different themes, the different language, the, the, the parallelism in language comes to play. That was always the first basic level of looking at the sugya. The second layer came in with Midrash Halacha. You have to, have to look at the Mechilta, you have to look at the Sifra and the Sifrei, you have to look at the, the, the Toseftas. That's the, the nullification of, of all loans that's found in Parshas Re'eh. So what would you say are possible relationships between those two sugyas? Well, you could say that they're totally separate institutions that don't really have much to do with one another. That would be a very tough thing to say, given how these concepts are intertwined. For example, in, in the language of Sheva, of the Chukia Sheva, in the purpose which has something to do with society, of, of, of worrying about those that are more needy, those that are underserved in society. So there's a thematic, the Chesed, that kind of link is there. But halachically, you know, there's a concept of a siyag de oraisa, which a few of the achronim talk about, that, and maybe even some of the rishonim talk about, that there's a concept that there's the primary halacha, but then we expand the halacha because we want to protect the integrity of that original, that primary halacha. So, for example, there's an iser of achilas chametz on Pesach, but we also know that the Torah pro- prohibits us from owning or seeing Bal Yiroi, Bal Now, do we see these as unrelated Isurim? Or, like there are a few Rishonim who say, that the Isur of Bal Yiroi, Bal is a Siyog de Orisa of the Isur of Achilas Chametz. Normally, Siyogim we think of as rabbinic, right? They're rabbinic extensions. They're things that the Chazal... Um, expand the base of the law to protect the, the original Doraisa. But there are cases that are identified by some Rishonim and many more cases by Achronim as possible instances of a Siyog Doraisa. So there are some Rishonim that suggest that Shemitah's Kesafim is a Siyog Doraisa for Shemitah's Karkovs. That Shemitah's Karkovs is clearly the the more central halacha. It's found in more places, right? It's found in Mishpatim. It's found in Bahar. Shemitah's, karko, Shemitah's Ksavim is only found in one place, in Parshat's Re'eh. So the multiplicity of themes and the link of Shemitah to the land gives the Shemitah's Karkos a, a more dominant or more primary consideration. But it's both are De'oraisa, obviously. Shemitah's Ksavim is an Isur, is, is a mitzvah that we find in Parshat's Re'eh in, in Sefer Devarim. But maybe the relationship is one of, of auxiliary to primary or, or secondary to primary. But they're both the Arisa. Um, there are other examples. Uh, some people say that the Isser of, of Basar Bechala, that, you know, uh, that the Isser of 
of Hana and Bishul of Basbarchalov is only a siyag de Arisa for the Isra of Achila of Basbarchal. Some people say that Losikravulagal's erva, the Isra of, of Nagia or 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 getting close, um is an Isr that is only a siyag de, de Arisa for the actual Isra of Bia. But be that as it may, if we take a quick survey of these sugyas, so in the first sugya parches mishpatim. So we get Shemitah's Karkos. Okay, what else do we know is what's near Shemitah's Karkos that has to do with the seven? There are a few things, right? There are a few laws that are in the adjacent area of Shemitah's Karkos that could fall under the Chukei Hasheva as Rav the, the, the opening lines or the opening laws of, of Parshas Mishpatim deal with what? Yeah, Eved Ivri. Eved Ivri. Oh, so doesn't Eved Ivri, right? What is the Lushen by Eved Ivri? Sheishanim, right? So and Rishvis, right? So the question, a question that the Rishonim deal with, and it's also already in the in the Medrash Halacha, is this seventh year by the Evid? Is that an absolute seven of the Shemitah, or is that seven the Mechiraso? So most hold we hold the Halacha. I believe that it's Shevet the Mechiraso, but that's a Shaila in terms of the 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 language and and the the kind of ethos that's being created. Because we're going to see now, if we spend just a few minutes on Parshas Mishvatim, that the themes are really about chemla v'solidariot in the language of Rav Shagar, compassion and solidarity. That the focus on Shemitah in Parshas Mishvatim, unlike what's discussed in later iterations of Shemitah that we find in, in Re'eh and, and, in, and in later in in, in Hakel, for example, the focus is on social justice. The focus is on doing right by those that are underserved, compassion for the underserved, for the underrepresented. What's the worry? What's the what's the theme? What what opens you see here in these in these sources? The ger lotilchats. That the ger, the stranger, should not be oppressed. That's the the kind of prelude to the parsha of Shemitah. Shemitah is about the land, right? Isn't the Shemitah about the land leaving the land fallow? But the Torah sought to put Shemitah in the context of the Gerlo Tilchat. So what follows that? It's about Shabbos. And you see Mitzrayim. With the emphasis, Mark, of Laman Yanuach Oh, exactly. So Laman Yanuach, that Laman Yanuach, it's already by this Nefesh Ager. There's nef there's fash by Amaschavager, right? Lamanya Nuach Bina Fesh Ben Amaschavager, that there should be a, a, a rejuvenation amongst your handmaidens, amongst the stranger. And it's also very resonant with Kishesh's Yamim, right? Later on in Parshmas Brother, the Yomashvi, Shabbas Vina Fash. So all these lang- the, the language, the, the parallelism, the symmetry of the language is pointing, according to Rav Shagar, to a, a, a horizontal kind of solidarity, a solidarity with the human beings in your midst, in your society, that, that desperately need that, that support. Mark, also, the, the, as I said, the Vav Achibor, from Pasik Tes to Yud, Yes. Ourselves, right? yes, there's clearly there's the clearly a continuity. 
there's clearly a continuity between these different dimensions of solidarity and care for the other and the kind of social justice themes that we associate, you know, I think rightly with, with Shemitah. Now, Rav Shagar takes it another step further. Mark, it's also just to, to stress the obvious. In other words, even this sparse description in Parshas Bishpatim, after right. it says the Shvi'as, you need to remove yourself. You have to be notush. It's like it's not yours. You are almost like exiled from working it. Right. The next, the, the, the key phrase here, as I'm pointing out, is va'achu avione amecha, right? The, and the, you're gone, and the avionim are the ones right. who are We're going to take it. And, and, and how, did you, how did you, as a nation and as individuals, how did you develop the empathy, the ability to really understand and to care for the other? It was Yitzhiz Mitzrayim, where you as a nation, both collectively and individually, you experienced what it was to be the gare. You knew what it was to be the underserved, the 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 downtrodden. So now the Shemitah is a way for you to re-enact this and be metakin, to make a real rectification for this ethical and social type of, of, of error. And I, another couple of layers here, according to Rav Shagar, the focus on this of, of Parshas Mishpatim is Shemitah vis-a-vis the human beings that are doing the, the Natisha, the, the, the ones that are making it lie fallow. The Shemitah and Natisha are the verbal, you know, those are the verb, those are the action, the words and, and the actions that the, the human being does as opposed to the land. The focus is much more on the human being, the owner of the land doing something active by letting it, you know, it sounds ironical, but letting it lie fallow, but to, to consciously and by deliberate action do this, as opposed to Shemitah, which later on in, in, in Vayikra and Devarim will be much more on the land. It's a different dimension. It's, it's the focus is on another relationship we have, not to other human beings, but to hu- human beings and the land as a bosom, as a source of, of our patrimony, as a source of our naturalness, our organic nature. Here in Mishpatim, we have a very human-oriented, very ethically, again, that, that horizontal um, axis. That is the, 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 the function to be doeg for the aniyim, to worry about the aniyim. There's not a real iser avoda here, as opposed to in later parshias where there's an iser avoda on the land. Here, there's not... It, it, the focus isn't so much the Isser Avoda as it is on the Unatash. To abandon. To abandon. Right. To abandon. It's, it's, it's a human action as opposed to don't do work, which is. Right. Right. Exactly. They're, they're the, the actions of, of cultivating, of sowing. Of, it's a different. It's a different set of verbs. It's a different set of actions. As you point out, Vishav Sahaaretz, the very first Pasik of Shemitah is Vishav Sahaaretz, instead right. of, which is, the, like you say, the land is almost. Right. And so the Shav Sahaaretz perspective is a different dimension. That's not Chesed anymore. That's already touching on the, the idea of what is holy. Is the natural world holy? Is your relationship with God holy? What's the difference between our relations with human beings and with the organic? nature that that gave us birth so to speak from the pea soup of of our original existence these are different dimensions that are found in each of these 
four parshas of Shemitah, highlighting multiple and in some when contradictory even some days, or or at least things that are in tension with one another for you know what um for what the Shemitah is is ultimately trying to teach us. I'll I'll just leave you guys on, on the following note. You know, here this is an example, of course, of how the halachas and the sugyas can teach us a worldview, not just halacha practically, right? We're by studying in this method that Rav Shagar is is I don't want to say introducing, but he's developing, but he's creating. You're seeing how the different ideas emerge through the language, through the the through the parallelism, through the 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 style as well as the content a whole vocabulary of halachic and theological and and conceptual um apparatus and and ideas that develop your worldview as a Jew how do we relate to sh- what are we supposed to learn from shemitah so the second layer besides the chesed is this kedusha and here the idea of time so Remember, these are the Chukei Hasheva. These are all the laws of seven, seven years, seven sets of years, Shabbos, seven days, Hakel, seven years. There was a giant culture kampf. There was a giant colossal cultural struggle between the Jews and the nations that, that we Jews traveled amongst and that we were essentially born out of. And that was how to view time. Is time merely cyclical is time merely uh the fates have us that we just continue to enact the eternal recurrence of the same or is time linear and what shagard says beautifully that all these teachings about time what shmita certainly the shmita's karkos but maybe by extension shmita's ksafin whether it's a siyag d'araisa or just a different related sugya d'araisa it it tries to highlight that time has a direction and that there is cyclicality and there's directionality. The the ancients, the pagans, whether they were Sumerians, Mesopotamians, or Romans and Greeks, saw only the cyclical nature of nature, only the cyclical nature of time. But here, and, and the way that they would, their festivities were essentially ways to disrupt time and go back to those primal moments of creation. That's why they had orgies, and that's why they had their bacchanalia. All this was to go back to interrupt and disrupt the na- the natural cycle of cyclical time, and go back to those primal powers of creativity, of originality. We do the opposite. We bring our full human, ex- our day to day existence, our economics, our 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 lives as members of a society. We bring them into are cycles of time because we believe that ultimately time is directional towards a, a, a larger goal, towards a larger purpose. Yes, there are cyclical dimensions to time. They didn't get it all wrong, but they missed this powerful power, possibility of humans making a difference. But humans making a difference not by going back to be gods and to go back to the primal moments of creation, to the myths and to the bacchanalia of the Greek and pagan gods, but to be human, to bring humans into hearth and home, other human beings, to bring the poor and, and those that are downtrodden into our lives. That's what elevates us through society, not anti-society, not through chaos, but through culture, through cultivating our relationships, especially 
to others and to a Kaddish Baruch Hu. Because ultimately, with, with Shemitah and Yovel, especially Yovel, there's a sense that we transcend the, the mere time. We go back to the beginnings when the, when the Karkos go back to the original Balim, when the Nachlas go back to the original Shvatim. There's a sense there is a return to a primalness, but it's not a primalness that's devoid of family. It goes back to the Nachla, to the family. And that's, I'm remembering my parents, they gave me so much, they grounded me so much in a reality, in a life. But I had to, then move forward and, and, and make my own directionality. And that's what we all do. That's every human being returns to their roots, but also is looking forward in time to make that roshame on civilization, on culture, on the community in the way that they're given. And I think we just saw very in Rashi Prakim very quickly how Rav Shagar is able to weave through a careful look of the parshios, through some halachas, these great thematic um foundations of the law so that no one could ever mistake ritual law and and moral law as two separate irreducible things. Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode. 